us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we have just sung that the longing souls are satisfied only with food that you bring. And so, Lord, we confess that our souls are hungry, but they look to you. And we know, Lord, that you would supply us then with every good because you have said, open your mouths wide and I will fill it. You would fill it with the finest of wheat, even honey from the rock. So feed our souls upon Christ this evening. We pray, Father, that you would bless your servant. He is weak. Grant him your strength and bless your people so that they might be strengthened in their faith. We look to you, our God, for mercy. Amen. Please be seated. In the chapter before us, we've groanings. Three times we've read of groanings. Verse 18, the apostle speaks of the suffering that all believers endure to some degree. But he says we are not alone in suffering. There are others that groan with us. In verses 19 through 22, Paul tells us that the whole creation was subjected to bondage and corruption. But he makes clear that this groaning is not the groaning of one in the throes of death. Rather, this groaning is in the anticipation of Freedom from the curse. Creation, Paul is saying, is, is craning its neck. Longing for the day of restoration when all things will be made perfect. And then within the groaning of creation, there is the groaning of the church. Verses 23 through 25. As we wait eagerly, Paul says, yet patiently, That is, in the hope for the day when the Spirit's work in us will come to a consummation. 
when that full reality of being adopted sons and daughters of God will be seen in the redemption, the resurrection of our bodies. But now in verse 26 and 27, the apostle speaks of a third groaning. Under the groaning of the creation, there's the groaning of the church. But now here's the great part. Under the groaning of the church, Paul says, there is this wordless groaning of the Spirit of God on behalf of the people of God. And the Spirit's prayer, which is always according to the will of God, will surely be answered. And Paul's wanting us, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be encouraged. He wants us to understand that if the groaning of the Holy Spirit is answered, so will be the groaning of the believer, and so will be the groaning of God's creation. And therefore, we may be sure that future glory outweighs the present suffering. For in this hope, Paul says, we are saved. This evening, and then we're going to consider just two things. First, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in helping believers. And then second, very simply, the illustration of the Spirit as he helps us in our prayer life. First, then, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in helping us. Paul says in verse 26, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. One of the great blessings we enjoy and the benefits that we have as believers in Christ Jesus is to know that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to sustain us, to encourage us, to refresh us in our journey to glory. It's so encouraging because the Apostle Paul is reminding us here of our weakness. He tells us, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, he doesn't tell us what that weakness is. It's a general statement about every Christian, every church. We are all weak. We can't stand on our own. We cannot go and journey in our own strength. There are always things that seek to overwhelm us and to overthrow us. And so we are weak. We have weaknesses. But what the Apostle Paul does is encourage us that in the midst of our weakness, there's someone to help us. There's someone to help us. And that someone is the person of the Spirit of Christ. Now, isn't that most reassuring and comforting to you, the people of God. We so find, often find ourselves weak. We find ourselves in situations and we just don't know what to do. We come to the end of the road and we don't know whether to go right or left. We are perplexed. We agonize over things and we don't have the answer. But the Apostle Paul is telling us, he's assuring us that there's someone who helps us in our weakness, the Spirit of the living God. Now, you 
wouldn't know it from our translations or really any English translation, the full import of the word that the Apostle Paul uses here. But he says the Spirit helps us, helps us. It's not just a simple word, it's a compound word. It's a Greek word made up of two prefixes. The first word means with. The second prefix means over against. And then the verb carries the idea of taking hold of something. And if we put that all together, you get the sense that the Holy Spirit is one who takes hold of something with us as he stands over against us in this situation. Let me illustrate. One of the places our family liked, enjoyed going to while we were in Canada was St. Jacob's Farmer's Market. And we usually went until fall when all the produce would be freshly harvested. Many of the contributors to that market lived right around that farmer's market. And many of them were from Mennonite background. And one display we particularly enjoyed visiting every year was a family who made apple cider. Because our kids knew that they would always receive a sample, a precursor to Costco. But on one occasion, towards the end of the day, I noticed an older Mennonite man. He was endeavoring to load a basket of apples onto his buggy. Apparently, he didn't sell all his produce that day. But he continued to try to get that basket on the wagon. But he was unsuccessful. He struggled. And so I quickly ran over to this man. And I grabbed the other wire handle on that bushel basket. And together, we loaded the bushel basket on the wagon. It was then that I realized his weakness. Amos only had one hand. And you see, this what the Spirit does. He notices. He takes notice of our weakness. And then he grabs hold of our situation together with us. He's carrying it with us. And not only that, while he's carrying the one end, he's sustaining us on the other end so that we too can carry it. He carries our burdens with us. That's the point that the Apostle Paul is making. That whatever your weakness, we have a spirit who notices. He comes alongside of you. And he's carrying the burden with you over against you in tandem with you. 
Now, how often in the Christian life we say to ourselves, we just can't handle it anymore. It is too much for us. Perhaps someone has derided you or spoken unkindly about you, or you're feeling discouraged and downcast, or whatever it might be. The Spirit notices, and He lovingly comes alongside you, and He bears your burdens and sustains you by His amazing grace. His ministry to us is so gracious that he is one who sees us in our weakness and he comes alongside us to bless us, to encourage us, to uphold us as we journey on to glory and he carries the heavy end. You know, there are many people who see us in our weakness. Those disciples this morning, as they saw the weakness of the blind man, we, like them, we seek or we see many weaknesses. But how often is it not the case that when we or others see one another's weakness, rather than coming alongside of them, We despise them, but not our God. No, the Spirit doesn't despise our weakness, but rather He seeks out those who are weak. He seeks out those who are burdened, and He comes along and carries that burden with us so that we might know His sustaining grace. That's how precious the Spirit is to us. He's our prayer partner. And we can see then why the Spirit or the Scriptures speak then about Him as the Spirit of Christ. One who does not snuff out the dimly burning wick or break a bruised reed. Oh no. He looks upon us in those weaknesses to come alongside and encourage us. This is the ministry, Paul says, of the Holy Spirit helping us in our weakness. But then Paul gives us an illustration of the Holy Spirit's working, his helping. And we have that at the end of verse 26. And Verse 27, he says, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What's remarkable about this illustration is the fact that prayer itself is an act of weakness. When we pray, we are acknowledging before the Almighty God our dependency upon him, that we need his sustaining grace, that we're in a difficulty and we need his pardon for sin. We need his sustaining grace to be kept from sin, to fight against sin. We need his help as we serve one another 
by living God-like in our marriages, in our families, in the congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray. And in such intercessory prayer then, we acknowledge to God that we can't go alone. Oh no, we need him. And we need him badly. And so prayer itself, you see, is an illustration of our weakness. And we say to God, oh God, we can't do it alone. We can't do it. You can carry the burden though. You can bring healing. But sometimes we not only acknowledge that we must pray, not only do we acknowledge that we need help from the Almighty God, but sometimes, as the Apostle Paul says here, sometimes we don't even know what to pray or even how to pray. I'm sure you've been in such a situation when you just don't know what to say. It's not that you don't want to pray or think you don't need to pray. But because of the perplexities of the situation, the struggles that are deep, the ignorance, there is no coherence. And you just don't know what to say. We want to pray, but we don't know how to pray. We don't have words to pray. And we don't know our way around. We're confused so often. And that confusion then makes us speechless. Or an instant, our world has been turned upside down. And you know you need the help of the Lord, but you can hardly articulate words to speak. All it seems you can do is weep and weep. And the Apostle Paul is saying that when we're in such a situation, something amazing happens. When we do not know what to pray for as we ought to pray, Paul says, the precious spirit, he intercedes for us. He sees you in your weakness and he prays. He intercedes for you, his child. Now, most of us know that we have an intercessor with God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He always intercedes for us at the Father's right hand. Writer of Hebrews assures us of that. But in our context, or our text, rather, the Apostle Paul says that the Spirit himself, who indwells us as believers, is our intercessor. His ministry comes from within us. It's not outside us. It's within the people of God. And in this mysterious way, then when we're overwhelmed, when we're, when we're speechless, we're still prayed for. Our needs are still brought to the throne of grace and mercy to our Lord Jesus because it is Christ's Spirit himself who intercedes for his people. But it's more profound than even that. 
As the Apostle Paul goes on to say, that our Heavenly Father, in verse 27, our Heavenly Father, He sees the deep things of my heart. He searches my heart. We know that God does that, don't we? Now that can be a frightening thought. God searching your heart. We don't want anyone else searching our hearts, do we? But it's a wonderful thing, dear brothers and sisters, when God searches your heart. Yes, it's true. He sees all my sin, all my weaknesses. He knows my longings and my needs. But he's so gracious. He's so gracious that he doesn't get angry with us. No. Because he's a father who cares for us. He's a father who has sent his son into the world to save sinners. And he knows we are sinners. He knows we are sinners. And that's why it's so wonderful that we can confess our sins to him. He knows them already. But he comes to send his son so that we might be redeemed from our sin and that we might fight against sin, that we might put it to death. But as he searches our hearts, he knows our longings. He knows that we want to serve him. He knows my needs and our weaknesses, my expressions of confusion and perplexities the difficult relationships that we are in. And at the same time, when the Father searches my heart, your heart, he hears the intercession of his own spirit. Praying for you from within your heart. Isn't that beautiful? It's just amazing. So that as the Spirit intercedes for us below, from within us, and as Jesus Christ intercedes for us from above, both the Spirit and Christ, according to the will of God, the result is that your need, dear saint, whatever it might be, you will receive from your Heavenly Father who always hears the prayers of his Son and of the Spirit, you will receive what you need. You see, the beauty that Paul is expressing to us is that what the Spirit prays for, the saints, is always in perfect agreement with the will of God. Because it is the third person of the Holy Trinity who indwells us. And there's no disunity between the Godhead about the will of God. So the Spirit, you see, perfectly knows what to pray for. And the Father answers that prayer for the sake of our mediator, Jesus Christ. 
you might still be wondering, how is it that the Spirit intercedes for us? Now you know from all Scripture that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is clothed with majesty and with mystery. But if you remember the explanation of the word help in verse 26, we get to understand a bit more of the how of the Spirit's ministry within us. It's not like he's a substitute prayer, like you would have substitute teachers in your classroom. So that we are merely channels, conduits, so that the Spirit is the one who is praying and we do not have any involvement. No, it seems that Paul is saying here that the Spirit is mysteriously working in us so that the only thing that we feel we can do is groan and sigh within us as expressions of our heart. We can't articulate words. And we groan. And the Holy Spirit then, he as our prayer partner, as our intercessor, he is able to make those groanings and sighs of the heart understandable to God. Perhaps an illustration again might help. I had an uncle who was dumb. He couldn't speak. When he was a boy, his father took him to the children's sick hospital in Toronto. They couldn't help him. And as a little boy, whenever my father and mother would take us as grandchildren to my grandfather, whom we affectionately called Opa, I remember being a bit afraid as a young boy because of all the strange noises and groanings that came from my uncle. But there's something else I'll never forget. That when my uncle would make what to me were these strange, unintelligible sighs and grunts, somehow my opa would understand and he would be able to interpret. And he would be able to calm his son. And he would know exactly, it seemed, what my uncle needed, how to interpret it, what to do for him, what to give him. When my uncle passed away at an early age, his pastor preached his funeral sermon from Psalm 103. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And then these words, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. You see, that's what the Paul is saying here. Sometimes we're so overwhelmed or we're filled with grief or confused, not knowing how to pray or what to pray. 
And yet somehow mysteriously by the working of the Holy Spirit who loves us, who is so compassionate towards us, who indwells us, he intercedes, praying with us and for us so that whatever grace we need is the grace we receive from our heavenly Father's gracious hand. The scripture gives us actually several examples of such wordless prayers of the Spirit because of the difficulties that believers experience throughout their lives, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. Think of Asaph, Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. Whenever, when I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Asaph, Asaph, what's wrong? I don't know. But I'm so troubled. I cannot speak. Or consider godly Hezekiah's poem that he wrote and that is recorded for us by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 38 when the prophet spoke to him about his imminent death like a swallow or a crane I chirp I moan like a dove my eyes are weary with longing looking upward O Lord, I'm oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. How about the Apostle Peter? After he had denied his Lord three times. And you remember that moving scene in Luke's gospel. When after he had... deceived and denied his Lord, the Lord of glory, three times. That Luke tells us that he went out into the courtyard and our Savior's eyes locked with Peter's eyes. And then Luke tells us that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter was convicted of what he had done. Luke doesn't record for us any prayer of contrition. All we hear is the groanings of his heart. We see the tears of the apostle Peter because he is overwhelmed with the grief, with the sorrow of the burden of his failure, of not being what he ought to have been, and then particularly as the 
disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not to say that there was no prayer. No, we can be sure that there was because of the Spirit's intercession. There was prayer in heaven coming from within the soul of the apostle Peter by the Spirit. Oh God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Pardon me for Christ's sake. And who can forget that most moving scene that the evangelists record for us of our Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane when he realized for the first time to the fullest extent what it meant to be the son of Mary. What it meant to be as that son, as Isaiah says, as a sheep led to the slaughter. And how in the anguish of his soul he was sorrowful, even to death. And how he pleaded with his three best friends, his disciples, that they would be his prayer partners. And how three times they fell asleep and failed their Lord. But oh, you can be sure there was a prayer partner. Yes, the Holy Spirit was the prayer partner interceding for Jesus according to the will of God. And he was heard. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup. It not my will, but your will be done. Oh, dear ones, your Savior went to the cross so that you might now know his blessed spirit. That he might give his spirit to the church so that all who are in union with Christ might know the blessedness of the spirit's ministry in your life. So that when there are situations in your life, perhaps a phone call that changes your life completely or some tragic accident you're so confused you're so perplexed with the providences of God or perhaps you've fallen into grievous sin and because of that you think your life is over and you're despairing even of life itself that you are a complete failure there is no hope that you have so grieved the Spirit of Christ so that all that you can do is groan and weep. The Apostle Paul assures you tonight, dear child, don't be discouraged because you have a prayer partner. Prayer partner, the Spirit of the living Christ who intercedes for you with groanings too deep for words. So the Apostle Paul wants to cheer his people. And he tells us then, as his brothers and sisters, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Christ is praying for you in heaven, and the Spirit is interceding below from within you. And God the Father 
Our benevolent Father always hears the prayers of His Son and Spirit and will graciously give you what you need in your time of need. And so aren't you thankful that as you journey through this world with all the groanings, waiting, as the Apostle Paul said earlier, waiting eagerly with patient expectation for your adoption, for the fullness of God's redemption for you. You don't travel alone. The Holy Spirit himself indwells you to sustain you in your weakness and to bring you to glory. He is your prayer partner. The one who does not despise your weakness, but the one who notices and then comes alongside as your helper to carry the load, enable you to carry it along with him. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for your particular care and kindness to us. That you do not use our weakness against us, but you pity us and have compassion upon us. And you send your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to dwell within us, to come alongside us, to take hold of our situation, to sustain us so that we might take hold of the situation as well. And to give us all that we need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the reassurance of your word and the encouragement that it gives to us as we embark upon a new week. And how it refreshes our spirits even as we travel to our heavenly home where our citizenship truly is. And so receive our praise and our exaltation. With great thanksgiving, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. Amen. Well, let's respond to God's word singing together from the Trinity 247. 247. Let's stand as we sing, Come, O come, the quickening spirit.
Congregation of Christ Jesus, look up. Receive the blessing of your covenant, Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.
Excuse me. It's called Iceland's. Go upload the uh, sermons. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. How's that bread? Oh, it's uh, we're still working on it. Okay, you'll get there. Don't give up. Yeah, we didn't bake it for long enough the first time. Go over, yeah, and then she she cut into it. It's doughy. And it like we had to let it sit out because we put it in the oven for the the time or whatever. We pull it out. We're like, okay, we should let it cool. And then we let it cool too long. We're like, oh, it'll probably be okay. Heather has made all the mistakes with bread. She's she's done it all. She she got to where she was. She's kept at it. Yeah. You'll figure it out. It'll be alright. It'll be worth it. Maybe some Christian brothers would help. Bring me back vodka from Russia. That should be great. What is there? What is the the brand over there? Because uh, Smirnoff is technically Polish. Oh no! It's not, no, she's gonna bring you back actual Russian vodka. I'm very excited. But like, what's the brand called? Some Russian thing. The cheese stuff comes from Stalinitsky. Like Polish, Polish vodka is cheap. Yeah. So like I had this stuff that's like I can't even say it. But we used to buy it all the time in the service and it was like 14, 13 bucks. Oh yeah, yeah. dude. So you just you missed your opportunity. Well, you we just drank that. Drank well, true Russian today. vodka is cheap too because they drink vodka stuff. I know. Well, we drank just drank it with ice. Today. We just poured it in a glass with ice so, and drank it. You know, we got up this morning and the was great. What's that? Vodka. They just drink vodka straight. Keep vodka in the freezer and drink it straight. Yeah, you just shoot it. Tastes okay. I like it. I don't really like vodka straight. Heather does. Well, but see, you got to have good vodka. So American, like. No, Smirnoff has a lot of grain alcohol substitute in it. But if you get Tito's, no, Bowman's, no. Can you get this at the Navy Sea store? Can you get the good vodka? Yeah. Okay. If you get Absolute or Grey Goose or some of those, okay. yeah, some of those. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, kettle wine. Those are all good. So. Yeah, not not Bowman's, not no Tito's. No, no. Yeah, I'm gonna upload those sermons. 